Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our service this morning with New Life Church. I'm Chris Static, and I'm the Director of Children's Ministries. I'm actually sitting at home and um, just reading my Bible and having a coffee this morning. But um, you know what? I just want you to know that, yes, we're in another lockdown. Here we are doing this still, doing it again. And um, we're hearing from some of you that this isn't always easy, um, that you've had some struggles and from some of you that you're just coasting and, and um, you're doing okay. But we really want you to know that we're here for you, that you can call into the office if you need to or connect with us on our website page at newlifecollingwood.com. But today we want to bring a good message for you, a good message of hope and of knowing that you're cared for. And um, we just want to thank you for being here and we want to welcome you for being part of our morning. You know what? Um, there are places to connect at New Life, and I know Steve's working on some of those online right now. And we also have our New Life Parents page on Facebook. It's another good place to connect and just share and talk and whatever you need. I would like to welcome Sam. Thank you, Sam, for reading our scripture this morning. And then uh, Paul's going to bring our message to us today. So enjoy. Hi, everybody. My name is Sam Walker. I've been at New Life um, my whole life. Um, my husband is Trevor. He plays sometimes on the worship team on the drums. And I have three little girls, Kylie, who's five and a half, Cora is three and a half, and Carly is 20 months. Um, as most of you know, we've been speaking about the Sabbath and rest, trying to slow down and turn our minds toward God. And as I said before, I'm a busy mom of three <laughs> little girls. Um, sometimes I have a hard time finding a whole day to rest or find Sabbath and quiet. The pandemic has done a number on that as well, so that's okay. Um, I understand this is part of the, the part of life that I'm in right now. And so, um, we try and find it when we can. Um, I remember growing up, Sundays were busy in the mornings because my parents were typically on worship. Um, but then we would come home and rest. We would make food together. We would um, stay in our track pants all day and just kind of have a day to be at home with each other and not plan anything. And as I've had my own family, we've tried to establish the same kind of thing on Sundays. It's usually a day of rest. We're home and we're just kind of playing around the house. And my kids have quiet times usually. And so that's when I have time to usually hang out in this chair <laughs> and um, find a little bit of time to myself and to listen to God. And sometimes I listen, um, just stay in the silence. Sometimes I listen to a podcast. Sometimes I read. Just I just try and um, slow down my mind and take a minute to just be and not stress about what's happening around me. And God is a really great place for us to find that kind of rest. Um, so, uh, we would like to read today from Psalm 92. Um, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, so mine might be a little bit different than yours. Um, but if you want to follow along with me, that would be great. Psalm 92 says, It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to the Most High. It is good to pro proclaim your unfailing love in the morning, your faithfulness in the evening, accompanied by a ten-stringed instrument, a harp, and a melody of a lyre. You thrill me, Lord, with all you've done for me. 
I sing for joy because of what you've done. O Lord, what great works you do, and how deep are your thoughts. Only a simpleton would not know, and only a fool would not understand this. Though the wicked sprout like weeds, and evildoers flourish, they will be destroyed forever. But you, O Lord, will be exalted forever. Your enemies, Lord, will, will surely perish. All evildoers will be scattered. But you have made me as strong as a wild ox. You have anointed me with the finest oil. My eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard the defeat of my wicked opponents. But the godly will flourish like palm trees and grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon. For they are transplanted to the Lord's own house. They flourish in the courts of our God. Even in old age, they will still produce fruit. They will remain vital and green. They will declare, the Lord is just. He is my rock. There is no evil in him. I'd just like to pray with you today, and then I'll say goodbye. <clears throat> Lord God, I just want to thank you for this day. Um, I just pray, God, right now for our community and just everybody around us, Lord. Um, we just pray that they will find rest and receive rest in you, Lord. We pray, God, just for for Jesus to be our resting place, for um, our hearts to be settled on you. And we just pray that we'll be able to find rest in our weeks, Lord, as we go about our day and um, our time with our families, that we will just be able to find a time to rest and have Sabbath. Just thank you, God, for this day and for those who have been able to join us today. Uh, amen. Thank you. Have a good day. Sam, thank you for reading that scripture for us and telling us the story of some of your family background with the Sabbath. And that psalm, Psalm 92, actually is titled uh, originally, A Song to be Sung on the Sabbath Day. And that's why we had Sam read that for us this morning. Well, we're in week two of looking at this idea of rest, of Jesus being our rest. And and seeing how Sabbath rhythms can produce Sabbath outcomes, benefits for us, this idea of practicing Sabbath one day out of seven and having a, a disposition towards the concept of Sabbath, of rest, or, or a heart attitude that embraces Sabbath, not just one day in seven, but regularly, continually turning to Jesus to be our rest. So I participate in some leadership development from time to time, and we put people into groups, and one of the tasks that we do is we give them a bunch of random supplies, and we, we set them to a task. So one of them is we give them a bunch of uh, dried spaghetti, like uncooked spaghetti noodles, and some tape, and some string, some paper clips, and a small object, a marshmallow, or a little wooden block, or a little figurine. And all we simply do is say to them, okay, here's the stuff that you have. Suspend the object. Keep the object up off the table. Have at it. Away you go. And it's amazing to watch because people end up uh, asking all kinds of questions. Well, what about this? Are we allowed to do this? Can you do this? And we don't answer them. We just simply say, go to it. Do a good job. 
And it's fun to watch because some of them build these amazingly intricate uh, designs to simply suspend the little object off the table. Others go for simplicity. And, and at the end of it, we kind of unpack what we learned in this. And that is not unlike this whole concept of keeping the Sabbath or remembering the Sabbath or observing the Sabbath, depending on which passage of Scripture you look at. So today I want to read for us from Isaiah chapter 58. And Isaiah is giving a word to the, to the people of Israel, and he's challenging their religious tendencies. And so at the beginning of Isaiah 58, he says to them, uh, and, and it's as if God is speaking through Isaiah the prophet, the people act so pious. They come to the temple every day. They seem delighted to learn all about me. They act like a righteous nation that would never abandon the laws of its God. They ask me to take action on their behalf, pretending that they want to be near me. And then he goes on and challenges them about their, how their behavior is, is actually an indication of their hard attitude. And then near the end of the chapter, he talks about the whole idea of Sabbath and how they are observing Sabbath. And this is what we read in the New Living Translation. Isaiah 58, verse 13 and 14. Keep the Sabbath day holy. That's this idea. Okay, here's your task. Go to it. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't pursue your own interests on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath and speak of it with delight as the Lord's holy day. Honor the Sabbath in everything you do on that day and don't follow your own desires or talk idly. And then the Lord will be your delight. I will give you great honor and satisfy you with the inheritance I promised to your ancestor Jacob. I, the Lord, have spoken. And in many respects, we're simply told, keep the Sabbath, observe the Sabbath, remember the Sabbath. And the, the only other instructions that really come with it are, you should rest and don't do any work. And like the exercise that we put people to in, in leadership tasks, people are left with questions. Well, well, what constitutes work? What does it mean to rest? How are we supposed to do that? Give us more information. Give us more rules, more guidelines, more parameters. Here's another one for us today. Stay at home. And everybody is going, it's confusing. There's too much to, to try to, to figure out. Why don't they be more specific? I think it's the same way with, with this idea of keep the Sabbath. God gives us a lot of freedom and a lot of latitude in how we are going to receive this gift, this rhythm of turning to God and turning away from the six-day onslaught of what we experience week in and week out and having one 24-hour period where we intentionally receive from Him. So this idea of turning to God involves the idea of repentance. And as you read through uh, the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, you see that he is regularly encouraging Israel to turn to God, to turn away from what they might have been doing or the direction that they were going or the way that they were thinking and turning towards God. So I want to read... Um, Isaiah 55, verse 7, simply says this, 
Let the people turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God, for he will forgive generously. And I love this passage in Isaiah 30 when he reminds them, this is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved. In quietness and confidence is your strength, but you would have none of it. You said, no, we'll get our help from Egypt. They'll give us swift horses for riding into battle. But the only swiftness you're going to see is the swiftness of your enemies chasing you. And, and there's this idea of God regularly saying to Israel, you're running after things hoping that they will give you what you think you need in life. And what you will find is in turning to me, in receiving the rest that only I can give you, uh, will you find the life that, that you're desiring? And in Isaiah 58, there's this invitation for them to repent and embrace Sabbath in the way it was originally meant to be received. See, typically, there, we tend to have two ways of responding to things like the Sabbath. Is We kind of treat it like, well, I guess you know, some people will say, well, we'll run through the motions, we'll do it because that's what we're supposed to do. So it's like, well, here we are, we're doing it. I don't quite understand why, but uh, we'll go through it. Oh, good, it's over. Now let's have fun. And that's kind of one way of approaching it, but it generally fills you with, with kind of dread or you're, you're bored with it and you're not getting anything from it. The other kind of response is to go the other way and, and build a, a bunch of rules around it because you're afraid of actually doing it the wrong way. And so there are some that approach it like, we have to do this. We must do this because we were told that we have to keep the Sabbath. And if you break that, then that's sinful and sin brings judgment. And you don't want that, do you? And that just fills you with fear. And yet both responses are a misunderstanding of the gift that God intended this Sabbath concept to be. It's meant to lead us to Him. It's meant for us to receive and to enjoy Him. And I think in some ways, when we approach the Sabbath from either one of these two positions, we're not unlike what, what Israel is doing here, pursuing their own interests, being filled with dread rather than delight, misunderstanding the day. Mark Buchanan has written a book called The Rest of God. And, and in that book, he writes this, it is easy to spend most of your life breaking Sabbath and never figure out that this is part of the reason why your work is unsatisfying, why your friendships are patchy, why your leisure is threadbare, and your vacations are exhausting. And you probably know what it's like to have an exhausting vacation. Because you're dying for a break, you're dying for rest, and you find that your vacation is just filled with things that suck the life out of you. It's fun for a moment, but at the end of it, you feel like you need a vacation from your vacation. And what Mark Buchanan is simply saying is when we miss the idea of the gift that Sabbath is, it's just so hard to reorient ourselves into enjoying every day of the week because we've learned the rhythm of this one day of the week. Abraham Heschel, who's written a book called The Sabbath, he's a Jewish rabbi, 
he, he wrote about the Sabbath as it relates to Israel, and I've adapted it a little bit so that it applies to everyone. And he simply wrote this, it isn't that we keep the Sabbath so much as the Sabbath keeps us. And when we participate in a Sabbath rhythm, it's like we are repenting every week. See, the invitation of Isaiah is to turn back to God. And in some respects, creating a Sabbath rhythm is a way of saying, I'm going to turn away from what I've been experiencing for six days of this week and the constant messaging that I get from that, that, that confuses me about who I am, about to whom I belong, about my, my purpose and my meaning. And I'm very intentionally going to turn toward God. I'm going to enjoy the rest that He wants me to have. I'm going to practice that, things that are restful for me. And I'm going to intentionally fix my gaze towards Him. And the question that we have then is, well, how are we supposed to rest? How are we supposed to turn our eyes toward God? And I'm so glad that God leaves this wide open for us because how I experience rest is going to be very different than how you will experience rest. The things that help me turn my attention to God to hear from Him are going to be very different than the things that allow you to do that. But both of us each of us, all of us, need to turn from the regular rhythm of life, step out of that onslaught of time, and step into a holy time, a holy day, that frees us from some of the things that might be detracting from us. It might be just rubbing away at us. It keeps us new, keeps us untangled, keeps us oriented toward God. And then there's the outcomes that come along with creating these rhythms. And that's a little bit how I, I want to just encourage you today. In these verses, when you first read them, and you can grab your Bible and have a read. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Many of you probably have the New International or the New Revised. It doesn't matter. But when you read through it, I want to encourage you to see a pattern, a literary device that's here where things are paralleled um, one to the other. So one way of of reading this is just to, to breeze through it, but if you pay attention to the differences in verse 13 and verse 14, you'll see a pattern that emerges. So in verse 13, um, we read, keep the Sabbath day holy. And then in verse 14, he reminds us, it's the Lord's day. In verse 13, we read, enjoy the Sabbath, speak of it with delight. Be filled with delight for this day. In verse 14, he says, when you do this, God will become your delight. In verse 13, he says, uh, honor the Sabbath. In verse 14, we read that God will honor you when you do this. In verse 13, we read, don't follow your own desires. In fact, that's repeated twice. Don't go after your own desires. Don't go after the things just that please you for the sake of being pleased. And be mindful of your talk. Very interesting uh, piece there. Please don't be hyper-literal in how you're reading that as some people have been. But don't miss the fact that not following your own desires is repeated twice. But then in verse 14, there's the promise, God will give you what He promised to your ancestor, Jacob. That promise of entering 
the rest, that promise of being a nation uh, of, of God's people, of God being their God and of them, belong, them belonging to him. And there's these wonderful outcomes to Sabbath. You can approach it with dread, you can approach it with fear, or you can receive it as a gift and trust in God that, that creating a rhythm of Sabbath actually just allows you to experience the full impact of what it means for Jesus to be our Sabbath rest. And to celebrate it. Interestingly, in Leviticus 23, Leviticus is this wonderful book with all these rules and stipulations, more and more commandments. <clears throat> and in Leviticus 23, there's a listing of all the festivals of Israel. If you watch last week's sermon, then you'll see that there was... Um, a video that we played there, which they did a wonderful job of just explaining Sabbath in a nutshell. And in Leviticus 23, it lists all the seven festivals for Israel. But at the very beginning of the list, even before then, the Sabbath is introduced. And it's included as one of the festivals. The Sabbath is meant to be celebrated. It's this wonderful gift for us to enjoy the life that God wants us to have, to step out of one concept of time, a chronological chronos kind of time, using Greek word, and jump into a kairos time, a time that is full of opportunity and, and holiness, and to receive from God uh, what He wants us to have, and that is this brilliant life where we are understanding our identity of who we are and, and why we're here. One more thing about Sabbath that uh, is kind of implicit here, but it's not explicitly stated uh, in Isaiah 58 or Exodus chapter 20 or Deuteronomy chapter 5 or Exodus chapter 32 or Exodus chapter 35 or all of the other many places that mention the idea of Sabbath is that Sabbath is meant to be experienced together in community uh, with other people. And I think that's a, a, a wonderful part of the gift that God gives us, particularly for us in our culture, because so much of what we do uh, is done on an individual basis. And I think individuality is one of those things that becomes a taskmaster that entangles us, that I think we need to be freed from. And practicing Sabbath with other people in community uh, is rich and beautiful, and so much more fulfilling than just trying to practice it alone. The earliest Christians moved from, who were Jewish people, they moved from Saturday to Sunday. And I think in many ways it was just natural to celebrate the resurrection, which is the institution of, of an ongoing Sabbath rest. That's, that rest doesn't have to stop now because Jesus has taken, taken that on. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. He is the one who has gifted us with it, and He invites us to receive Himself when we, when we take on a heart towards Sabbath or a Sabbath disposition. And what better way to experience Jesus than together with others? So right now you might be thinking, oh, like I, you know, so now I have to do this with other people. And, and what happens is you're, you're approaching it in that sense of, well, there are certain things that we have to do that we must do or else it's the wrong thing. And I think there's this wonderful re reminder from Jesus in Mark 2.27 that the Sabbath was given as a gift for us. It's meant to serve our needs, not the other way around. 
Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. So Jesus breaks the Sabbath to make the point, not that the Sabbath is obsolete, but to make the point that they had gotten so religious about trying to tell people how to behave that day that it was no longer a gift. It had become its own taskmaster. And the last thing that I want for you is to have this idea of a Sabbath rhythm um, just become another thing that enslaves you. But I would encourage you, if it's possible, participate in the Sabbath concept together. For some of you, that's going to be really hard because, like, it, and, and you might be just naturally thinking about Sunday, and some of you have to work on Sunday and you can't participate. But for many of you, uh, you might be watching this right now on a Tuesday. And my encouragement would be if you could participate together uh, in a live setting, why not watch it on, why not watch this, join us on Sunday morning? Particularly as we try to create some platforms where you can engage with people online. Of course, it's not ideal. But maybe that creates the rhythm that leads to uh, at some point when we will regather and be in person and, uh, and celebrate this festival together. And again, not meant to say that you have to, but meant to say it's, it's another benefit that we can receive when we participate in it together. So I want to encourage you to practice some, some uh, Sabbath rhythms, some rituals that can give you the intentionality that it often requires to receive from God. Here's a few suggestions. When you think about practicing a, a, a Sabbath time, also let it be a digital Sabbath. Unplug your phone. In fact, better yet, uh, turn your phone off. Turn your tablets off. Resist the urge to try to, to just get sucked into the digital world. Free yourself from that. And if you want to know, like, how, you know, how enmeshed am I in, in uh, the six-day times of the week, um, turn your phone off for a 24-hour period and see how difficult it is for you. But allow it to become something that's freeing uh, and life-giving. Practice it with others. You know, and right now that might just be practicing online or at least in your family setting. And create some type of rituals. Sam talked about some of the things that they did as a family. So create some family rituals around the idea of Sabbath. And, and do things that fill you up. Take some time for silence. Take some time for reading. Take, take some time for fun. And fun might be a board game. It might be uh, going out and, and working on a project in your backyard, which seems like work, except that uh, you spend all day in the office six days of the week, and this is one day where you can get your hands dirty. That's why I love working in the wood shop. And it might be the exact opposite. All day long, you're working hard and, and getting sweaty in your job, and so on, on this one day, you want to actually just be able to rest your body and use your mind. Whatever it is that fills you up, let that be part of your Sabbath celebration. But let it be something that turns you to towards God. We're not just trying to create things that are fun for the sake of fun, but things that fill us with life that allow us to recognize God's presence. And then that Sabbath ritual of one in seven can become something that, that is moment by moment through every day, where we just bask in the rest of God. The Sabbath was meant to to fill us with life, not rob it from us. And I trust that as you learn to embrace, embrace the rhythms of Sabbath, that you also enjoy the outcomes and the benefits 
the life that only God can give you. Amen. It's my prayer for you that, uh, that you in just see the gift of Sabbath and enjoy it. Next week, we are going to start a new series, and it's called Wild Times with Jesus. It's not about wild, crazy living. It's actually about the wilderness experience that we see various biblical characters go through and how we might learn from their wilderness experience as it applies to our own lives. So that'll be starting next week uh, with the person of Hagar in Genesis 16. Until then, uh, God bless and may you enjoy his rest today. Bye for now.